What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Marshall Time. What's going on, bro? What's up, bro? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We got a lot to talk about. And then when it comes to this, this basketball thing, college and pros, we'll, we'll get to, to both levels. But before we start, I just, you know, at the time we're recording this show, history might be made. And we'll we'll see later. We'll see after tonight what, what happens. But Detroit, the Pistons, I wasn't aware of how I many. I know, I know they've been trash. I didn't realize how trash they've been. So they've lost 15 games straight and could become the first team in eight years. They could be the first team in eight years to go without a win in a month. You know, I know we talked about them the last show, but I think just watching them this year, I, I tapped into some of that Detroit New York game. That's that's the game that I'm talking about right now. Right now they're they're tied at the half, 54-54. So we'll see what, what happens with that one. But just watching some of that game, you can say they don't have the talent, the fit isn't right, but it shouldn't be that bad. Like just watching this team, there seems to be no direction. My biggest beef is Killian Hayes somehow keeps finding a way to get in that starting lineup and get minutes. I saw Kevin Knox playing. I didn't realize he was still in the league. That's how you know your team's bad when Kevin Knox is actually getting minutes. And so to me, that's criminal. You got Marcus Sasser, Jay and Ivy. I just hate incompetence when it comes to a basketball roster and coaching. And Detroit is like, yeah, it's bad. At least with the Spurs, I can understand why they're struggling, but there's a reason to watch, right? Like I can watch a Vic. I can watch a Keldon Johnson and Devin play. With Detroit, what am I watching? What am I seeing? There's no direction. There's nothing. And I, I don't think they even know what they're doing. And so, yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch a single Detroit game the rest of the way until they give me a reason to. There's no reason to. I know I know what to expect at this point. Kevin Knox is playing major minutes, as is Killian Hayes. I just can't do it. I got to respect my time as a basketball viewer, right? I just can't do it. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I just can't make excuses for Monty Williams in Detroit anymore. I just can't. It's just bad. It's I bad. mean, I t- like I said, I told you about it last last show. I talked about it last show, man. It's just I don't know what they're doing over there. Like, the spacing is terrible. It's not enough shooting on the team. It's not enough defense on the team. It's just a whole bunch of young guys running up and down, man. And I don't know. Like, Monty Williams, you know, we can say what we want. But at the end of the day, like, them guys just they're just not it. Like they got a whole bunch of I feel like they got a whole bunch of like young rejects like James Wiseman. I mean, it's still time, but Marvin Bagley, like them type of guys. I talked about the last show, man. Uh-huh. It's bad over there. Um, I want Cade out of there because I I Cade's a good player. I really like think he could be a good number one option, but we're not seeing him with the opportunity like some of these other young guards, like a Halliburton, like a LaMelo Ball. You know what I mean? Young guards, they're just on they're on teams that aren't going to be the greatest, but you can tell there's talent on the teams and they're playing to their play style. Pistons aren't playing to Kate's play style. He's a playmaker first. Like, yeah, he's he's six six. Yeah, he can score, he can shoot, but he's a he's a playmaker first. And they don't have any people for him to playmate with. You know what I mean? Who is he passing the ball to? Like you just said, Kevin Knox is out there. You got Killian Hayes. Jay and Ivy and Killian Hayes, they should not be sharing the court together. Like, that's a terrible lineup. I love Asar Thompson's game, but, like, he has to get a jump shot. Let's be real. Like, they're putting him in a dunker spot. He's a shooting guard for real. So, I don't know. There's something to be said about a a young team struggling, but on the flip side, I want to see development. 
right? What are we seeing when it comes to development of these guys and putting these part of coaching is putting players in the right position. So you have what you have. Okay. How do we make this? This is this. These are the ingredients I have. How do I make the most out of it? And Monty Williams and that coaching staff isn't getting it done. I don't know what, look, he's getting paid a lot of money. You know how much he got paid, right? <laughs> how, how much did he get paid? Almost 80 million. The Ooh. biggest contract in oh, the history, right? God. I mean, let, let, let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Because I think it was. I, I, I saw that the other day now that I think about it. I don't blame him for taking that contract. I would take it too. <laughs> 78.5 million. It can reach 100. That could reach eight years, 100 million with incentives. Biggest coaching contract in league history. Crazy. And this is what you're putting out on the floor. I see like, you may not have the talent, but also there's is there development going on? I don't know. I don't even know if they're even like what 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 is being taught and coached in that practice? Because watching them play, I don't there's no semblance of competent basketball going on. There's no development, there's no habits of winning going on. Like it's it's a bad product to watch. It really is. It really is. I seen it, so, I seen a quote the other day from him. And he was like, um, you know, he likes the way the team is like fighting because he said, I guess he was saying in practice, they had like six guys dive on a loose ball or something. And he was like, he was like, um, it's hard to find that, you know, in a team that's lost as many games in a row. And I'm like, bro, y'all got bigger problems to worry about than, you know, hustle. Like, yes, we love hustle. We know it's important, but y'all need some talent before anything. So I don't know what's going on. And you're playing the wrong talent. Right. There's no way Kevin Knox. And Killian Hayes should be getting the minutes they're getting, right? Let's give Marcus Sasser and Jay and Ivy minutes. Let's give them the opportunity to make mistakes and play through the mistakes. Like, I don't I don't get this constant switching up of Killian Hayes and Jay and Ivy out of the starting lineup. I just – I don't understand it, but he's getting paid almost $80 million to coach it. So maybe he knows something we don't, right? Um, all right, so we're at this point now, November, December. We're starting to see some of these teams jockeying for position. We're trying to figure out who's the contenders in the East and Western Conference. I think the Eastern Conference, we kind of know what's going on with that. The West, though, a lot to be talked about when it comes to one through six, one through eight, even maybe even nine, depending on, you know, how, how things go in certain situations. So a lot of talk when it comes to trades that possibly may be made. The biggest conversation is with Chicago and those three guys. When we talk about Alex Caruso, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. The Lakers are in that conversation as usual. LeBron James, the GM that he is, you know, some changes are going to be made there. So it wouldn't surprise me if something something happens with that. But outside of that, we'll talk about the Bulls, obviously, in the Lakers situation. But when it comes to teams that need to make trades for whatever reason, I wrote down two different reasons. Teams that feel like they can contend for a championship should make a trade and teams that are in no man's land, no man's land should make a trade. So what are some teams that you're looking at and saying, look, they got to make a move, whether it's for winning purposes or just trying to blow it up purposes and figure out where we go moving forward. Um, well, for winning purposes, definitely the Sixers. You know, we got off to a good start. Um, when we're healthy, we've we've had some impressive wins and we have a good record. But we need um, in the playoffs, I feel like we're going to need a bigger two guard. I love the way D'Anthony Melton's been playing. He's been playing great. He's been shooting the ball good. He's playing good defense. But I think when we get into the Eastern Conference, we're talking about going against wings like Tatum, Jalen Brown, going against Giannis. We need bigger guys at these at multiple, you know, through two, through four, to guard these type of players, man. So I would love the Sixers to try to go get OG and OB. Um, I've been hearing rumors about Levine. It's not a bad pickup, but I want more of a three and D player for for the Sixers. 
So there's definitely one team that um I think needs to, you know, make a move to contend. As far as time to blow it up in the East. This is one it, team that we talk it, about all the time. In the East, if I'm going to be real with you, I think the Hawks need to make some moves. I think it's time for them to blow it up. Um, the Wizards, too, and it's going to sound crazy because it's like they're already in rebuild mode, but it's time to, like, it's just a messy over there. They need to, they need to go trade Jordan Bulls where I, I already seen that he was on the, you know, the trading block already, and it's crazy. But they should try to move him for something. But I don't know what his value is going to be right now because <laughs> Team C, you know how he's really playing right now. So I don't, I don't know. But yeah, those are the, those are my two teams from the East. I'm be honest with you. Obviously, the Sixers should, and the reasons that you said, I agree with. I think the Celtics may may try to. I think they should, as far as front court help. You know, outside of Porzingis and Al Horford. I don't think Luke Cornett is going to be playable in the playoffs and he can be exploited and exposed quickly if you get an injury to a Horford or Porzingis. So front court help for, for them with for them. And we'll see with Sam Hauser and Peyton Pritchard. They can get more consistency off the bench from them. Um, as far as teams that just should be sellers at the deadline, Chicago, obviously, like that's a team that we've talked about. Like, what are you doing? DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nikolai Vucevic, Alex Caruso. All four of those guys, if I'm a front office guy, front office person in, in Chicago, my goal is to have all four of those guys out of there. <laughs> like, that's just what time I'm on. Like, what purpose is it to keep any one of those guys at this point in Chicago? I think Toronto should, should take a close look at things with Pascal Siakam and OG, as you mentioned. Like, what direction do you want to go with Pascal Siakam as your best player your ceiling is what it is. There's no Eastern Conference Finals run. You know, I like the pieces that Toronto has in total, but there are certain guys, if they're a number one option, there's a limit to what your franchise is going to be. And I think that's where Toronto's at right now. Um, I also think, though, there's some teams that teams should target. Like, I look at Utah Jazz, their roster. I'm not sure if they would even think about this, but Laurie Markkinen would look crazy in it a lot of these situations like he's a guy that you put in any spot and he's going to find he's going to find a way to excel and so Lori marketing can bring jordan clarkson colin sexton i mean to me i'm calling up utah i'm calling up the blazers for malcolm brock and i'm calling up brooklyn for cam johnson or dorian finney smith i'm not sure if they're going to give up Mikel bridges but i would even just try and i mean i know they turned down about like three first round picks right from memphis listen how do we sweeten up the offer to get a Mikel Bridges? But I think those are some teams that I think contending teams should be calling and inquiring, like what would it take to get a Jordan Clarkson to come off my bench? You know, if I'm a, a Western Conference contending team, right? Like that could change some things in the West, right? If you get a Clarkson off the bench for you. And so to me, that's the interesting thing when it comes to the trade deadline. And obviously when it comes to the Western Conference, you look at the Lakers, they're going to make a move. What's, what's happening right now is not going to work. I think they need a reliable third scoring option to plug in with LeBron and AD. And obviously, Levine or DeMar DeRozan are going to be the options. But I think the Lakers should they should make a move. And uh, maybe even the Warriors. Look, I'm not sure what that deal looks like, but the Warriors are a team that could stand to make a change. I don't think they're going to get rid of Draymond right now, but I would dangle Draymond. Why not? Um they're not going to dangle Clay out right now, but why not? 
Like, there's just some teams that need to shake things up. I don't, I don't think they would, but look, Steph is still playing at a high level, and you don't want to waste another year with what they have right now. So um, that's my take on the Western Conference. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. Um, the only thing – I think we need to add the Clippers in there too, man. It's time. It's time. I know Harden just got there, <laughs> but they're losing the teams that they shouldn't be losing to. Um, I don't. I'm not liking. It. I know they beat the Kings last night, but that was off a of back to back. Before that, they lost to the Nuggets, and I don't think Jokic played. I don't think Jamal Murray was back either. They let DeAndre Jordan drop 21 and 11. What is this? 2012. <laughs> My yeah. back in high school. Reggie Jackson went off too. Yeah, Reggie Jackson gave him 35. Like. What is going on? So, and I know, um, I believe Kawhi and PG might have player options, or it might be for agents. Period this summer. So, I think it's time, man. Like, and you know, I know before the season started, we were saying, you know, I, we got hopes for the Clippers. You know, like they were taking things serious, but the minute they made their Harden trade, that just like I don't think that wasn't a good move. I wasn't offended that move from the beginning, like because I know what Harden does. I seen it firsthand. You know what I mean? So. I think the Clippers, we might got to add them to the list, man. And I would, hey, I would love for Kawhi to come to Philly. Bring them in. Bring them back with Nick Nurse. You know I what mean. I mean? Let's get it going. Let's get it popping. But at this point, I don't know. I don't know. They, I think they need to make some moves, too. I would love it. I would love it. But it's like the Clippers, I mean, they they went all in. By, by getting James Harden, you're saying to the fans and to everybody, like, this is it. Like, right. this, is, this is what we're going with, right? And so you're kind of stuck. Yeah. And I think the Clippers are delaying the inevitable, mm-hmm. honestly. To me, it's like sort of like what the Bulls are now. Like you're the Clippers, we know with James Harden on your roster, you know what that comes with, right? We we know all the question marks with Kawhi and PG and their health. We know of James Harden, what he turns into in the clutch moments when you need him the most. Like we have repeated examples of this. And so if you're the Clippers, you're not beating a Denver Nuggets squad in the seven game series. I don't think you're beating the King, even the Kings in a set. I wouldn't, I don't know about that. You know, are you beating the Lakers? I mean, the Pelicans, I think are a team that if they get those guys healthy, that's a team that I would put over the Clippers right now. You're not beating a healthy Phoenix squad in a seven game series. Right. And so Minnesota's up there. OKC is up there. And so there's a lot of teams that I got to put ahead of the Clippers right now, just because of number one, there's a consistent effort that I see from certain teams that are in top of the Western conference right now. I can rely on them for consistency for their health. Yeah. And, and they don't have James Harden. <laughs> That's just what it comes down to. Right. And so the Clippers to me are, are delaying the inevitable. Yes. They should make a move, but it's like at this point, you know, they have to rock out. They put themselves in a tough position. Like they, they, they really got to rock out with what they have. Um, so, Yeah. But when it comes to the Lakers, and you can almost honestly call these things at the top of the year, like come trade deadline, the Lakers are going to make a move. Like mm-hmm. LeBron's not going to like what he's seeing. They're going to underachieve. And voila, here we go again. Like they made those moves last year and they're going to do it again this year. You know what I mean? Is it going to be enough? I don't know because once again, is AD going to be reliable? That's the biggest question. To me, this is what it all. This is what it all comes down to. Oh, it's the same story. Is AD going to be there physically and mentally on a nightly basis when you need him the most? He's putting up numbers. He is. But time and time again, there's a consistency that he hasn't been showing. It's just not there. You know what I mean? So that's 
that's just that's just my my philosophy on the Lakers. I don't care who they bring in. Demar, Levine, are you going to beat Denver? No, you're not because they have the Joker, and they don't have an answer to that. <laughs> they don't have an answer to Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon. You know what I mean? Like they just don't. Um, so the Lakers are going to make a move like they always do, but I think they're going to come up just short. That's just you know that's that's how I see it with the Lakers situation. Um, let's switch gears to the college game. Now we, we had the, the big Thanksgiving week. That's a huge time. You got all the tournaments, get to see a lot of the biggest, biggest names, the best teams. So we're going to talk about the teams that have caught our eyes, some of the players too. So, you know, for me, really at this point of the year, it's really hard for me to narrow down a team. I remember last year, um, thinking about just our picks for the final four. UConn was a team that I had in the final four. It didn't have them going to the championship game, but that was a team I watched in January in the middle of Big East play. And I said, yo, it was a random, random game. Might have been a Tuesday or Wednesday. I said, this is this is a final four team. Um, and lo and behold, they did it. And so I think once conference play comes around, I think you can get a better idea of who's who. But I wrote down a few teams that I like that I think are going to have a chance to make a final four run just based off just first round talent, experience, and just you teams just have that look. They passed the eye test, right? And so I like Arizona. I like UConn again. I like Baylor. I like Marquette. I think Kentucky can be fun. Kentucky's a fun team that I got my eye on to see how they develop. I like Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Reed Shepard, Justin Edwards. They got a couple of experienced guys, Antonio Reeves. So I like Coach Cal and what they got going on right now. I think as the year goes on, as we see with Kentucky every year, they always get better. And so... Yeah, those are my five right now. Zona, UConn, Baylor, Kentucky, and uh, Marquette. Yeah, right now, um, it's I, I like all those teams, but I'm going to add a team in there, man, Houston. Mm-hmm. Houston, I think this might be their year. Like, they look legit, man. Like, watching them play, they rebound. They rebound on the offense and defensive side. Excellent. That's huge in basketball and college basketball, especially those extra possessions. They got Jamal Shedd. You know, he's been there for years. And they also have um, L.J. Cryer transfer from Belair, who was yeah. a bucket. Um, I like the way they play, man. They play day. They're athletic. They can shoot. They they play together. And they have the leadership, you know, the veteran experience on the team. I'm really high on Houston. Um, I do like Kentucky, too. Like, I feel like this is one of the more exciting Kentucky teams of recent years. Like, we know Kentucky always has those guys. But uh-huh. it's been a minute since they've had, like, four to five players that are, like, all first-round talent. You know what I mean? How it used to be when they had the teams with Cat and they had Devin Booker coming off the bench. Like, you know what I mean? Teams like that. They're right back in that mix, man. You talked about it. Rob Dillingham's coming off the bench, giving out buckets, playmaking. You got Wagner, of course, Reese Shepard, all of those guys. Um, Purdue is an interesting team, but I just can't buy into them come tournament time. Like, But if it's a year they're going to do it, it would have to be this year. But I just can't buy into Purdue basketball winning. I know they got the big guy, Zach Eady, but history shows is usually when it's like one big player like that, it doesn't always, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't pan out. College balls, it's like that. You need a full team, everybody contributing, ch- chipping in. I mean, they do look good, but it's still early. So they I'm, look good, but you know how the tournament goes. It's a matchup thing. Yep. The teams that I usually tend to lean toward that I think have the biggest success they have their rosters built and their playing styles built in such a way that they can, they can adjust through different situations, right? Like 
I think Purdue can be limited in some ways. That's what we saw on their upset last year, right? I think if you get a team that's hitting from the three, if they just get hot, some athletes in the perimeter, Purdue can be had. They can. You know what I mean? And so I just – they're a great team. Obviously, it's hard. Only one team wins the championship, right? But there's certain teams I just can't buy into when when it comes to making a deep run. And Purdue, when it comes to making your bracket and trusting the team to make that run, I don't see it with Purdue. The teams that I feel like have those chances, teams that have strong guard play, have the athleticism, have multiple first-round talent, right? Like, who's the first-round talent on Purdue? Zach Eady wasn't even a first-round grade this past year. He came back for a reason. (laughs) Is he a first-round pick this year? I don't know what team is picking him in the first round. As far as his game is concerned, like maybe 15 years ago, yeah, right? No. So I just think they can be had, you know, and so we'll see if they can get it done this year. I mean, I don't – I think, yeah, Sweet 16, Elite 8, yeah, of course, but I just – I don't trust it, man. I don't trust it. There's so much that can go wrong in a tournament set situation, and all it takes is – the right team to go up against Purdue and exploit what they have. And I can see it going bad again. I can see it. I do. Um, but yeah, Houston, I wanted, I, I think I picked, I might've picked Houston to make the championship last year. I wanted it to be the year so bad because Kelvin Sampson, what he's done at Houston, man. So that's the team I've been wanting to check out more. I'm going to pay attention to more for sure as the season goes on, but that's the team I'll, I'll definitely keep my eye on as well, but you kind of can do it again too. Um, Stephen Castle's been out. He's a first round like lottery pick projection right now. Um, he's been out, but they're still playing well. And so when they get him back, I want to see what it looks like. But um, but Baylor too, man, they just always seem to have these guards every year. And they got a they got some guards again. Jacoby Walter, he's a he's a you know projected top pick you know for for Baylor this year. And so it's going to be fun to see once again a wide open year in college ball. So we'll never know. Who's going, to, who's going to be the dominant team this year? Who knows? But um, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, who, who comes out on top again. Now, the players, I got an interesting twist on it right now, right? Because we know the big names. Honestly, the big names nowadays are even either overseas or playing G League United, right? It's rare that all five guys, the top guys drafted, are playing college ball now. It's just That's just the way it is right now. But thanks to social media, we're able to get hip to some of the guys who are excelling under the, you know, mid-major spotlight, right? And so Malik Mack, the Harvard freshman guard, Keyshawn Hall, George Mason, they call him the big guard, and Robbie Avila, Indiana State. I'm not saying he's going to be an NBA guy, who knows, but just the way he plays, it's a fun watch. These are guys that I would love to see come tournament time, just to see how they do against, you know, top-tier talent. And just to see them on a bigger stage, I think I think it would be fun. But Keyshawn Hall was two, 285 as a freshman last year at UNLV. He's at George Mason this year as a sophomore, 6'7", 230, a double-double machine. Malik Mack was the, college, was the Gatorade player of the year in D.C. He's at Harvard balling out. And so, to me, it just shows you how there's talent everywhere nowadays. You just never know where that talent is going to come up from. And I think for me, I look at a guy like Malik Mack, he's getting an opportunity instead of sitting – 
on a top college program or splitting minutes, he has free reign at Harvard, as far as I'm concerned, to just ball out and showcase your skills and grow. And so I think he's in a great spot at Harvard, a great school, obviously. And so you talk about possibly transferring for him this next year, or is he an NBA draft pick? We'll see. But I think he's in a great position at Harvard, Malik Mack. So that's a name to watch for, for sure. Yeah. Um, I love those names, too. Two guys I want to give a big shout out to um, that we talked about in the past, but they've moved on to bigger schools. Um, Max Amos used mm-hmm. to be at Oral Roberts. We know he made, you know, crazy tournament runs. He's at Texas now. He's balling at Texas. He, I remember he had a game winner for them against somebody last week, but he's doing his thing there. You know, he's averaging like 15. Then Grant Nelson, man, 16. You know, I, I know people see his viral clips. He played at North Dakota State. Um, now he's at Alabama. That's another team that's that's pretty good too. Alabama is a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. He's doing his thing, man. It's just always good to see those guys coming from smaller schools, you know, and they made a name for themselves. And now they're at the uh, you know bigger schools, Texas and Bama. That's a big jump from Oral Roberts and North Dakota State. So just a shout out to them guys. But I definitely love Malik Mack too. I love his game, man. He's playing great, and you know him being at Harvard and being a baller like that, he looked like he belonged in Kentucky the way he plays. But he's at Harvard, right? So. That's what's up. I'm just happy to see all of that. Yeah, gotta, yeah, got, yeah, y'all gotta watch Robbie Avila, Indiana State sophomore. He's probably one of the most. He's probably the most interesting player I've seen this year so far. Um, 6'10", 240. So he has the basketball size, right? But you look at his frame, it don't look like a basketball frame, right? If I could explain, it's like a mid-major joker. Just the way right. he plays, like you see him, like how is he like? But the passing, the craftiness around the basket. He's skilled. And I, I looked up his bio on the Indiana State website. He was the highest rated kid, one of the highest rated commits ever for Indiana State where Larry Bird went. So, I mean, he was a big time recruit for Indiana State. So it's not a shock that he's doing what he's doing. But you watch him. It's like, yo, man. But, you know, it's crazy seeing the Joker and, 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 and uh, Alfred um, Sengun for Houston. Right. I see a guy like that now. I kind of wonder, huh, is there a spot for him in the league now? And so, to me, that's when I see a player like Robbie Avila, maybe a few years ago, I see him like, ah, oh, there's no chance. But now, they're kind of wondering, huh, is there a spot for a player like that in today's NBA? And so I'm interested to see what he does this year and throughout his college career. Maybe, who knows? We'll see. But I think nowadays, this another show, maybe another conversation, I feel like the skill level is – is so great right now that you don't have to be the athlete anymore, right? Like you can get away with maybe average athleticism, but if the handle's there, if the vision's there, there's a spot for you. And I think that's what we're seeing with the Joker and, and Sen Yoon in Houston. Um, and so Robbie Avila is one of those guys at the college level I'm looking at like, okay, if he spends a couple more years at the college level, works on his body. What does that look like for him at the next level? And so, Robbie Avila, Indiana State sophomore. Check him out. He, he's definitely going to be interesting to see um, for you if you haven't watched him before. But, yeah, that's when I see him. Even a Keyshawn Hall, 6'7", 230. Keyshawn, big guard is his nickname, Hall. Even him as a George Mason sophomore, what he's doing, his creativity, his scoring ability, not the most athletic. I mean, he lost – he was 285 last year. So, you know, like um, – but just to see his growth over the last year and what that could be in a year or two, um, I'm excited to see – what some of these guys do um, at the mid-major level. We already know about the top guys, Isaiah Collier at USC. Like, we we know these guys, right? But I think the guys that we talked about may not get enough attention 
maybe overlooked a little bit or on a bigger stage now, like Max Aismas and Grant Nelson. I'm excited to see what these guys do. I would love to see them in March come to any time. Like that to me, that's the big stage for those guys to get their stock up. And so I'm excited um, about just overall the skill level that we're seeing across the board in college basketball, because everybody can't go to a Kentucky, right? Everybody can't go to a Carolina, a Kansas, a Syracuse, a Duke. There's just so much talent out there now. Like everybody's playing basketball year round now. Like, you know what I mean? Like now more than ever, upsets have always happened, right? But I think now so more than ever in today's era where everybody's so specialized with basketball, everybody's playing AAU ball. You're just playing year round now. You're going to see more of the Malik Max because he was the, I mean, DC is a basketball, you know, area, the DMV area, right? And so for him to be the Gatorade player of the year, he goes to Harvard, he's ball. I mean, it just shows you like, man, the skill level, um, you know, and you coach too, just talk about that, just how the skill level in today's game now across the level, we're going to see more of these type of players who may not be at the the high major programs, but they got to, they got to play somewhere. Right. And I, I'm happy that it's going that way, man. Cause for the longest, like, even like for when you watch college ball, like for me, I kind of didn't like watch college basketball sometimes because when I was looking at it, I'm like, bro, I'm watching a whole bunch of just athletic players, but they're not that skilled. Like the shooting percentage are terrible, turning the ball over, terrible IQ. You know what I mean? And it's just like, bro, I could tell you were here because you were really athletic in high school and you were able to dominate. But now you're playing against guys with the same athleticism as you. Uh-huh. It's not panning out how how it could be. But now you talk about guys like Robbie Avila and these and, you know these other guys that have a lot of skill. Like that's just the way the game should be played. And I'm happy it's going that way. And it's going to make the NBA better too, man, because. How many times did we see guys going to the NBA be projected top 10 because of their athleticism, because of their potential? But, like, come on. Like, growing up, man, I saw Michael K. Gilchrist going top five, and I have a better – I feel like I got a better jump shot than him. What are we doing? You know what I mean? So it's just, like, stuff like that, man. Um, I'm just happy that the game is going that way. I hope Robbie Avila does get a shot in the NBA. I think he should. You know, he has the skill, he has the size, and he, Indiana State is a good team right now. So I don't see why not. One thing about it, it, it takes a team that has the patience to develop, right? And also a team that has the vision and understanding of like, everybody has something about them that is unique and special. How do we develop that? How do we utilize it to its fullest potential, right? My One of my favorite teams is the Thunder, right? Like I talk about them all the time. I love their squad because all those guys are skilled. From SGA to, to Jalen Williams, Isaiah Joe skill. He's not just a spot-up shooter. Chet right. Holmgren, like, and that's why they're so effective because you can't key on, you can't, you can't exploit one guy and say, we're going to take away his handle, we're going to take away the jumper because what you're going to do with Chet, he can handle, <laughs> he can shoot it. You know, all these guys can, at any given moment, grab the board and go. You know what I mean? And so they're not, OKC isn't winning because of their athleticism. They're winning because of their skill. You know what I mean? And so um, the best player in the league arguably isn't one of the more least athletic guys we've seen, right? <laughs> but he dominates with this skill. You know what I mean? And so I love it. Like, it's it, it's fun to see. And so we'll see how those guys develop throughout this year and throughout their college careers. And we're just getting started with college troops. Also, the playing tournament, the quarterfinal set. You look, Have you got a chance to look at the bracket yet? 
I didn't look at the bracket, but I seen I seen a couple of the teams that made it. Yeah. I'm excited, you know. I to me, I, I wasn't sure about the plan because I didn't know what it. I didn't. I just didn't get it. I didn't understand it. But I think as far as just the team of city edition uniforms with the courts, like it's raised the conversation. And I think it's fun. I think the competition level has raised up with some of these games. Some teams do want that spotlight. I think it helps out the smaller market teams. It, I'm, I'm excited to see a Sacramento and New Orleans in the quarterfinals rounds, right? And so, and we love seeing brackets when it comes to basketball anyway. Like the bracket is, is it's just a cool thing. Level with Mark. I think the final four is in Vegas. I think dope. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited to see. You could get a possible Celtics Bucks matchup in the final four or, you know, a Kings Phoenix Suns matchup, you know, it, it could be, it could be cool. And so I think it's here to stay for at least another year for sure. I think it has been a success. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. So we'll see how that goes. A lot to talk about over the next month for sure. But yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to like subscribe on YouTube, follow us on social medias, Twitter, IG, Apple podcast, YouTube, all the streaming platforms. We got you. Thanks for watching. All right. Peace out.